0: Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you believe that? The Acts of the Apostles give us all the evidence we need that Jesus meant exactly what he said, even when fierce opposition came against the early church. For example, in Acts chapter 5, the high priest arrested the apostles and threw them into prison. But that night, the angel of the Lord opened the prison door and let them out. When the Jewish Council found them and confronted them about their teaching, Peter replied, We must obey God rather than men. (laughs) Circle the word must and remember this. Fierce opposition is no match for gospel determination. I'm Ron Jones and this is Something Good. Hello
1: and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, always glad to have you with us. And today, Ron takes us to Acts chapter five, where we find a supernatural demonstration of God's power taking place in the early church. Healings, signs and wonders, thousands coming to faith in Christ. All this at a time when the church was often told not to share the gospel at all. Today's message is straight ahead. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen anytime on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series, AD Acts of the Apostles, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message called,
0: Obeying God, Not Man. Well, we are in a study of the book of Acts and uh, I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this study. I've I've enjoyed going back 2000 years ago to remind myself and all of us as to how it all started. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to get get a sense of where we are today as the church without going back to learn again and refresh our memory as to how it all started. And boy, did it start with a bang, didn't it? Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches his first sermon. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Two chapters later, Peter preaches his second sermon, and 5,000 more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the horse Justify yesterday at the Belmont Stakes. I don't know if I'm not a horse racing guy. I don't gamble all of that, but I I love a good sporting event, and especially when a triple crown is about to be won, and beautiful thoroughbred animals, these horses they are. Well, here's Justify. He'd won the Kentucky Derby. He won the Preakness and now the Belmont Stakes, and they were all in the gates. The gates came open, and he flew out of that gate, took the lead in a a mile-and-a-half race and didn't look back, and he won the Triple Crown. That was amazing. And and, and the early church kind of reminds me of that. Out of the gates, fast and furious and explosive growth, and then we come to chapter 5. <laughs> and the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and, and it was a sobering story. We, we said it was a, a correction that God brought to the early church. It was a story of this couple, this husband and wife named Ananias and Sapphira. They made a donation to the church, and well, they lied about it. And uh, Peter and the apostles confront them, you know, separately, and. Um, Said, you know, you didn't lie to us, you lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. It's a serious and sober and somber event. You read the story and Ananias and Sapphira died that day. Can you imagine coming to church and you see a hearse outside and they're wheeling out these two bodies? I mean, all of that momentum in the church, it seems, seems like it's threatened to come to a screeching halt in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. But we learned some things from that story. Now we're picking up the story in verse 12, and and, and here's what we discover. That little correction that took place in the first 11 verses didn't stop the momentum of the church one bit. Let's read on. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This reminds me of when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Even a little correction, a very serious and somber one that came to the church in the early part of Acts chapter 5, it didn't stop God's plan. Everybody just needed to take a deep breath and realized God was still on the throne. He was still in charge of His church. People were still coming to faith in Christ. And and what we read about here is that many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Uh, a, A supernatural demonstration of the power of God was taking place. And there were at least three results from this that I read about in just these verses. Number one is salvation. People were still coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, it says there that more than ever, more than ever, uh, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. We've gone from actual numbers, 3,000, 5,000, now to more than ever. Uh, some scholars believe the early church was as many as fifteen to 20,000 people gathering there in Jerusalem in a very short period of time. And so when there's the clear demonstration of the power of God, well, salvation is taking place. There's also superstition that kind of creeps in here. You see what's happening? It says here that many signs and wonders were done regularly among the people by the hands of the apostles. Notice, not everybody in the church had the supernatural gift of healing and signs and wonders. This is the apostolic age. It was coming through the hands of the apostles, just those twelve who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And during the apostolic age, signs and wonders were used to confirm and affirm uh, the message But something was happening here. People were beginning to hear about all the healings, and they were lining up outside the temple and in the city streets of Jerusalem. And some people were saying, hey, if you just lie right here, Peter might come by and his shadow might fall on you and you'll be healed. Now, read the story carefully. It doesn't say that was happening. It says the people were saying it was happening. It was a superstition that arose. Um, Remember in the Gospels, Jesus was always careful with miracles. He he often said to the person who was healed, shh, don't go tell anybody. Why would He do that? Because He knew of our tendency to take a miracle and turn it into a superstition. And and the, the, the superstition would then supersede the message. The message is always more important than the miracle. Don't ever forget that. And he, he, he kinda tamped down, you know, and did privately some miracles, certainly some publicly, but but he was always hesitant to let the miracle supersede the message, which was far more important. We see superstitions today. Every once in a while I hear about a I guess they call them weeping Marys, you know, somewhere in I don't know, some part of the world, maybe South America or someplace, and it's a rock formation or something that kind of looks like the face of Mary and it's doing and Thousands of people will migrate to those places. It's not faith. It's, it's, it's really bordering on superstition. And this was happening in the early church with regard to Peter's shadow. And, but, but when you have the powerful demonstration of the power of God, as was happening here, salvation experienced, mixed in with some, some superstition. The third thing that I see here is a confrontation coming. And we read about it in verses 17 and 18, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the the apostles and put them in the public prison. We've gone from a correction in the church that was off and running, right, to the races and going really well, a correction with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, the clear demonstration of the power of God and the continuing of God's plan, and then the confrontation that comes from the Sadducees and the high priests who are going to tell the apostles once again, stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And all of this is a reminder to me of something that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the Ephesians about, Uh, Just kind of a, a background understanding of what's happened here. Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse 12, "'We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places.'" Friends, when there is the clear demonstration of the power of God, expect salvation, expect some kind of weird superstitions to threaten and creep into the church, but also expect confrontation, confrontation from the culture. Gospel ministry is full of confrontation. We don't like to think of it that way, but it's all over the book of Acts. And the uh, Sadducees and the high priests through not just Peter but all of the apostles, all 12 of them, in prison over this. It's not the first time they went to prison. It won't be the last time they were thrown in prison because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But all of it is tantamount to spiritual warfare, okay? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Their enemy was not the Sadducees and the high priests. Uh, there's a spiritual battle going on, and Paul pulls back the veil, as it were, and gives us a picture of that. It leads me to say this, friends, our broken world will never make sense to us until we look behind the visible to see the invisible, to see the spiritual battle that is taking place. If we don't understand there's a spiritual battle going on, we will always, front, uh, we will always fight confrontation and battles like this in the flesh rather than using spiritual weaponry, uh, armoring ourselves with the the armor of God as Paul talks about in Ephesians 6 and using spiritual weaponry, uh, the first of which is is prayer and the word of God and all of that uh, to fight spiritual battles. There's
1: still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, so stay right here. Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, a Disciples First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Just look for the Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org that starting point, a disciple's first steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. Whenever you've had a breakthrough in your walk with Christ, anytime the church as a whole gains momentum, it won't be long before Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy that which God is trying to build. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Obeying God, Not Man.
0: So with that as a background, let's just kind of work our way through the story a little bit. Uh, This confrontation comes because of, you know, jealousy on the part of the uh, uh, Sadducees there. Um, It says that they were filled with jealousy and they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. They're intimidating them. uh, They're threatening them. uh, They finally arrest them. And, And again, it's not the first time Peter was arrested and it won't be the last time. I, I got to wonder what Peter might have said to his wife that day. I can, I can just picture him texting his wife, <laughs> Sorry, sonny. Sorry, honey. I'm going to be home late for dinner tonight, thrown in prison again. You know? I, I mean, what a challenge it is to do gospel ministry here, e- even as it, 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 it trickles into his family. You know, it, it had to impact the family in that way. And all of the apostles, all of the apostles, thrown into prison here. It goes from this jealousy and intimidation and arrest uh, to what I call a supernatural prison break. And here's where I love this story, verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all uh, all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priests came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, uh, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, uh, wondering what would this come to. And, and someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. I mean, this is where I chuckle a little bit because… You know, uh, this was a a supernatural prison break where the angel of the Lord in the middle of the night uh, let Peter and the apostles out. It's not the story we always think about, you know, when we sing the Amy Grant song, Angels Watching Over You. That's about a different prison break later in the book of Acts. But this is the first one. We don't talk about this one very much. But here, Peter and the apostles were, were in the prison. The angel of the Lord shows up and lets them out. The irony here is that the Sadducees are all part of the confrontation, and the Sadducees didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels and demons and, you know, the heavenly places and the invisible realm and all that. I just find that very ironic in the story because the angel of the Lord is front and center here. And the next morning, they all get up, and they have this council meeting. They say, "Go, go get the prisoners. And they go, and it's all locked up, but they open it up and they're gone. <laughs> that, that's the funny part of it all. I would have loved to have seen the perplexed look on all their faces. And as they're discussing this, somebody walks in the room and he says, well, they're back over there at the temple in Solomon's portico. And, and they're, they're saying the things that we told them not to say. Uh, by the way, when, when the church faced confrontation here from the culture, The angel of the Lord didn't say to them, now, you you need to organize a protest and and a boycott. You got to get after these guys because they're getting in your way. You know what the angel of the Lord told them to do? Just go back and be the church. Just go back and proclaim the message, Christ and Him crucified and risen from the dead. All right, just go be the church. And they had found this little place over here called Solomon's Portico. It was a Let's just call it a room or an outdoor area in the temple that they had kind of carved out for themselves, and it was the, the place that the early church met when they met in the temple and then, you know, from house to house later in the week. They returned to that place, and they just, they just started doing church, okay? How powerful is that? And, and the, the guards and the council walked down there, and they didn't want to make a scene, because they were very concerned about all the political things going on between the Jews, and they didn't want a bad word to get back to the Romans. So somehow they coaxed the apostles back to meet with the council. So we go from jealousy and intimidation and arrest to a supernatural prison break, and then to more threats to their freedom of speech. Watch it in verse 17 here. Listen to this. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council... And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. This is not the first time, but at least the second time, and I'll say it in just our 21st century language, they're threatening their freedom of speech. They're saying, we told you not to speak in the name of Jesus and to tell that story about him being crucified and rising again from that. We told you not to do that, but here you are again. And you know what Peter said? He says, you know, you're right. I'm sorry I shouldn't have done that, and we won't do that again. Not at all. Uh, This this is, uh, you just got to go three cheers to Peter and the apostles here. And it's where I get the title of this message, Obeying God, Not Man, because Peter says in verse 29, it says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. We go from threats to freedom of speech and all of that now to to Peter and the apostles making a decision to stand strong to stand strong and to say, no, we we, we got to draw a line in the sand here. We, we have to obey God and not man. And, and then Peter goes on to say this. Uh, he says in verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging Him on a tree. God exalted Him at His right hand as leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him." Now, now Peter was not an educated man, he was a fisherman. And and these Sadducees and the high priests, they were the religious elite. They were not only well-educated but very, very wealthy and very, very well-connected politically. And they kind of looked down their noses at uh, little old Peter, the fisherman and those apostles, not educated men. But, you know, I got got to give Peter credit here. Full of the Holy Spirit, he, he always had the right words to say and at the right time. And he stood with courage.
1: You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message called Obeying God, Not Man, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out our resource tab at the top of the homepage for books, teaching series, lots of great tools to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January, 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Della Rosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your savior is risen indeed. Is the holy land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Almost Everyone who goes with us to the Holy Land says it's one of the best decisions they've ever made. When you visit somethinggoodradio.org, look for Something Good Travel to learn more and register for Experience Israel 2022, plus other upcoming Something Good Travel experiences. Need prayer today? Stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org and share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support have made it possible for Something Good Radio to reach more people than ever before with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for all you've done. And when you give a gift this month, Ron will say a big thank you by sending you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now. A.D. Acts of the Apostles. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Request it today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. You can donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices. The number 757-276-1099.
0: Biblical definition of marriage is one man with one woman in a covenant relationship for one lifetime. Now, here's what happened a generation ago. We tinkered with the one lifetime part. And no-fault divorce became the law of the land. And the ripple effect of that through our nation and through the fabric of our families and community has been devastating. Now we're tinkering with the one man with one woman part. And I say, strap on your seatbelts, friends. It'll be another generation before we feel the full effects of messing with God when it comes to marriage. And my question is, will we obey God or not man as the church? Do we have the courage and, yes, the kindness at the same time to say, no, I will obey God and not man. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr.
1: Ron Jones' message, obeying God, not man. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.